Hello, Team NXT, and thank you once again for listening. CD, Danny Mac here, bringing you episode 105 of the Undisputed Future podcast, that UFP show, talking all about the NXT show. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I know it's been a little while, and I'm putting out this episode, rather, I'm recording this episode a little bit later than I would like to. It is Tuesday, December 17th, and this This is not an uncommon practice of mine. I will be covering two editions of NXT TV in one episode. I mean, I like to usually do something special for things that end in 5 and 0, but mostly this is is kind of forced. I like to record the show when I'm in a good mood, or at least things are kind of going my way, and this week just, just hasn't been mine. I mean, car incidents and just waiting on some job discussion and start times that just seem further and further away. New York State tends to drag their feet on these sorts of things. But everything aside, today I find myself in a good mood, ready to start a new path and a new sort of job while I'm waiting for the rest of that to clear up. But I just got a whole lot of good news today and I'm excited to get a show out. So here I am recording. It is about Tuesday, 9.30 p.m. prior to WWE Backstage. Can't wait to watch that a little bit later on. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll be discussing the December 11th edition of NXT TV, highlighted by the incredible Cruiserweight Championship match between Angel Garza and Leo Rush. And then I'll be sure to timestamp it in the episode description so all you guys can skip around and be listening to where you would like. So I'm going to cover the December 11th edition of NXT TV, put in a little another musical interlude of my intro, then start talking about the December 18th edition of NXT tomorrow night right after NXT. I'm holding myself to no excuses. I am starting a new job. I am going to have to try and get things on track in the meantime. So, before a inevitable holiday hiatus, I'm definitely making sure I cover each and every edition of NXT TV. December 11th brought us starting off in a phrase that I cannot help but use when it comes to this Cruiserweight action. A fast and furious championship battle between Leo Rush and Angel Garza. What an incredible series of matches these guys have had. Leo Rush won the last one, as we know, due to a little bit of controversy and referees' indiscretion of Angel Garza having his foot on the bottom rope. So, Leo Rush, already angry at the disrespect that was shown during that match towards his wife and his family. Leo Rush putting out the challenge of giving Angel Garza another shot at the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. So I'm all ramped up to discuss this one. I'm actually hoping that after this, we get these guys in a two out of three falls match or something to continue this incredible rivalry that has shaped up in the Cruiserweight division. I want to see the Cruiserweight title defended at a takeover. No ifs, ands, or buts about it with the quality of matches we have been getting since the Cruiserweight title has been fully embraced under the NXT umbrella. Yes, 205 Live has had similar producers and they do share staff on both shows, but now that is referred to as the NXT Cruiserweight title, there's just something that has elevated it, the importance and the desire that we see on our screens of these superstars wanting to be the face of those 205 pounds or under. It's been really, really phenomenal television. 
The intro of this match was cut short by an angry Rush, Leo Rush getting his introduction, but Angel Garza not getting the full same respect from the ring announcer due to Leo Rush getting just a bit angry and his hands on Garza. This match could not wait to start, and I've noticed a bit of a trend in this edition of NXT TV. Every single match is off to a hot start. There was no feeling out your opponent. There was no getting to know one another stage inside the ropes. This was all immediate starts and immediate action. Fast and furious, like I said, rolling around, rocking each other. This match incredibly emotional for both sides. Something that is new to me, at least by the end of this match, was new to me. Angel Garza also having a significant other at ringside. Leo Rush once again accompanied by his family attending and sitting in that full sale crowd. Something I do notice about Angel Garza and one of the things I love besides his patented male stripper move of removing his pantalones is that Garza was egging on Leo Rush. Was this psychological mind games or was it a mistake? We would come to see that things would work out in Garza's favor, but the mind games that Angel Garza is capable of laying on his opponents with the false handshakes and the bravado and just all of this attitude that Angel brings to the ring really cannot be understated. High points in this matchup, Leo Rush with an incredible inside to outside moonsault. And Garza would hit his own version of Leo Rush's springboard stunner, the come-up. So these guys would go back and forth, manipulating each other's movesets. Hell, even Leo Rush attempted to clip the wings of Angel Garza. What an amazing exchange and a great cruiserweight title matchup. This match, going back to that pant spot, this is the longest amount of time in a match, I believe to date, in WWE, that Angel Garza had his pants on during a matchup. And I'm including his 205 Live bouts. And something very interesting, if those of you have not been keeping up with 205 Live as I have, this rivalry did expand to 205 Live's booking. Angel Garza and Leo Rush got the chance to respectively pick each other's opponents. Angel Garza picking somebody who had a similar style, who had, excuse me, Leo Rush picking an opponent for Angel Garza who rocks a similar style to himself in Raul Mendoza, and Raul Mendoza has been incredible. Whether it be on NXT TV, pulling off upset wins, I think that's something I'll get to a little bit later on. Raul Mendoza has been shining on 205 Live, and I've noticed him getting consecutive losses, and he's a 205 Live original. It's very easy to forget, but he was in that original Cruiserweight Classic. He battled the one and only, the Brian Kendrick. So, Mendoza has had some highly spotlighted matchups in WWE, and especially in his recent tenure on 205 Live, has put out some amazing ring work. Angel Garza, on the flip side of the coin, decided to go with an opponent who had a very contradictive style to his own. He chose the brawling Brit, Danny Burch. The governor is now on 205 Live, getting some time in in singles competition. Oni Lorcan, thankfully, settling a, a uh, contract dispute with WWE, so I'm hoping to see Birch and Lorcan in tag team competition again sooner rather than later. If you're asking my two cents of where they could fit in, yes, NXT's tag team division is back on that kind of rebuilding stage, but I also think that SmackDown needs some boost in the tag team division. 
New Day and The Revival can absolutely carry the division to great title matches, but some new faces and fresh blood, it really doesn't get much tougher than Orny Larkin and Danny Burch. So Danny Burch and Leo Rush had a very contradiction of Styles matchup recently on 205 Live. Angel Garza spoiling that matchup and getting the upper hands on the then Cruiserweight champion. And yes, I say then because Rush, after hitting his own wing clipper, after getting the frog splash, but just unable to get that cover due to the aforementioned disrobing of Angel Garza's pants in an incredible spot, just the psychology and the back and forth in this matchup cannot be understated, and I really hope I'm doing it justice sitting behind this microphone and trying to put it into my own words. However, Rush would be countered to the outside after a daring attempt to some more aerial offense. Rush would get his wings clipped, but able to overcome momentarily. It's not over until the wing clipper would be locked into a submission and a new champion, probably in the in the ending that I would least expect, this match ending in submission. Angel Garza is our new NXT Cruiserweight Champion. And the Full Sail Faithful very much behind this Mexican superstar. The first ever Mexican to hold the Cruiserweight Championship. Which, if you look at how Cruiserweight Championship was built, and if you look back even as far, even as far back as WCW's division, very highly embraced the luchador style. And men of that descent. So this kind of came as a little bit of a shock to me. But, however, Moro Ronaldo laying down the facts. And you go back and think of those past Cruiserweight champions. Going as far back as you possibly want. Including and excluding those talents that you want. Who have held that title. I know there's a few contradictive figures in there that I'm fans of. That might lose viewers if I mention them. By name. How you doing? Um, kind of a surprise to me that Garz is the first Mexican to hold this championship. This would be one of the few highlights that Garza would hold this evening. One of many highlights, I should say. A post-match celebration. He has the support of his family, he has wrestling, and he has his significant other, his girlfriend, brought into the center of the ring, and Angel Garza proposes and gets a yes. What a heartfelt moment for our new Cruiserweight Champion. What a moment that you watch and you think, how am I supposed to boo this guy ever again? He's suave, he's he's charismatic, he has great matches, and he's proposing to his girlfriend in the middle of a wrestling ring. Something that I know I'm not the only gentleman listening that can wish could possibly happen someday soon. Gotta work on getting that significant other portion of things first. But this podcast is not about my dating life. It's about NXT. So big congratulations to Angel Garza. And I wish him and his fiance nothing but the absolute best. There is always consequence of recording a podcast in the same room that you do have a refrigerator. So I do apologize for any background noise that might have interfered with your listening experience during that last segment. Moving forward, though. We have our highly anticipated championship week, a a mid-week takeover feel on the December 18th edition of NXT television. Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley go one-on-one for the NXT Women's Championship, and we have our NXT Championship match of who Adam Cole will be facing, and I will get to that at main event time for this episode. I do want to 
kind of throw an additional plug on this. The Prime Target specials that NXT has been getting on the WWE Network prior to TakeOvers and just this week to give it more of a big fight feel, we are getting a Prime Target between Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley's match. So that's definitely something on my must-watch list prior to NXT this week on the WWE Network. We would hear from each of the competitors in the NXT Championship matchup, and I'll get to those interviews before I discuss the match itself. I want to go to a guy who I was just discussing, and that is Raul Mendoza taking on Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes, a breakout standout in that tournament of NXT newly implemented talents. We also saw Joaquin Wild recently on 205 Live, if I could just plug more Cruiserweight action. But Grimes versus Mendoza this week was definitely definitely unexpected at uh, at the results and the antics that would stem from all of this. I love Mendoza's explosive and immediate start, referencing what I said before about how quickly these matches begun this evening on NXT television. Mendoza, explosive start. Cameron Grimes emphasizing his power advantage that is well known to numerous superstars in the back. One of those men who is well familiar with this is the Japanese time splitter, Kushida. Kushida making a successful return to NXT television with the expectation of facing Raul Mendoza in his comeback match. But if you recall, Cameron Grimes stomping out Mendoza, bringing his to this match and bringing us that last match where Kushida was able to walk out with the W. Cameron Grimes getting a little bit upset when Kushida would mess with his wardrobe. Kushida interrupting and making his presence known during this matchup, teasing the hat of Cameron Grimes. Shout out to my friend Mr. Warren Hayes if you're out there listening. Cameron Grimes and his hat sightings are always something I like to bring to his attention pretty much due to his reaction to it. Any hoosers, Kushida interrupting and giving the assist to Mendoza with the roll-up for the W. Mendoza finally picking up a win on NXT television. I mentioned his competition on 205 Live, but it does feel like it has been a while since we've seen Mendoza on the winning side of the column when it comes to his NXT television appearances. So absolutely stoked for Mendoza picking up a win here and hopefully continuing to climb the Cruiserweight Championship ladder because that guy is one hell of a talent in my opinion. The highlight from this match, however, is not Raul Mendoza's victory, but it is how Kushida got the chance to wear Cameron Grimes' hat. And due to, and at this point of recording this edition of the Undisputed Future podcast, Kushida still has Cameron Grimes' hat. So that might be a little bit more of a statement that's stomping out an opponent in the eyes of Cameron Grimes. I think that's just a one-up of damaging somebody who could be your potential opponent. Mia Yim got a chance to speak and give her thoughts on the opponent she would be facing, Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai has been just since TakeOver War Games, absolutely impressed with this change of personality. The look is different. The music is different. I reference back again to how she used the attack and assault on Tegan Knox during that War Games matchup as her Titantron last time she was in action. Great stuff coming out of the creative for Dakota Kai. There's some heel turns you don't think are going to work. 
You always got to be a little bit skeptical, but you can always trust when NXT does it right. And hell, they mostly do it right when it comes to betrayal-based rivalries. Need I speak more about the epic Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano DIY split in rivalry? I think that one pretty much speaks for itself, and I have the highest hopes that Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox are able to replicate history. I'm certainly hoping for that. Mia Yim says this is beyond revenge. Dakota Kai took away her chance at history and put her in an ambulance. Yim was not promising a match on this edition of NXT TV. She was promising a fight, a lot of pain, and that Dakota Kai will be riding in the ambulance by the end of this one. So lots of bad blood brewing in the women's division right now. And it's all pointed. Anything that's not pointed at Shayna Baszler is pointed at Dakota Kai. Maybe with the exception of Aaliyah pointing some dislike and dismay at Zia Lee after that vicious roundhouse kick. But championship scene, otherwise it's all hatred at Dakota Kai. Bad blood with Tegan Knox. Bad blood with Candice LeRae, another War Games teammate of hers. Bad blood with Mia Yim, the woman that cost time in that War Games matchup and her chance at history. Discussing that Mia Yim and Dakota Kai match right after I discuss a Worlds Collide event preview between the Kiwi Buzzsaw Travis Banks versus the raging Jackson Riker of the Forgotten Sons. Banks takes it right to Riker. Again, that immediate start pattern we are detecting on this edition of NXT TV. Travis Banks, a very accomplished striker, another man of Kempo and a very similar style of martial arts that I have studied and able to implicate that in his in-ring style. Watching NXT UK, any chance I get, I really do look forward to seeing the Kiwi Buzzsaw in action. Riker, however, the man is a juggernaut. The man is an absolute savage like his brethren in the Forgotten Sons. Man handling Travis Banks after stopping a dive and boy did Banks pay for that kind of offense. Banks's eye would be bleeding during this matchup. And we are seeing a lot of blood spilt on WWE TV as of late. And I'm not complaining about it. I grew up watching wrestling in the 90s when it was blade jobs and blood, baby. That's just how things rolled. These guys are getting busted open the hard way due due to some innovative and really world-shaking offense. It's, It's really, really gnarly stuff. So I'm hoping Travis Banks got the stitches that he needed and, uh, is all set to compete on NXT UK and moving forward towards that World's Collide event, taking the place of a TakeOver Royal Rumble weekend. Not going to say that I prefer one or the other because this is a nice little bit of change, bringing NXT talents and NXT UK talents together for an event the night before. I really think can build some anticipation for who will compete in the Royal Rumble matches, men's and women's respectively. Would love to see a few representatives from NXT UK get their chance to shine. Would love to see more NXT talents compete, whether they hold championships or not. Point back to Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole competing in the Royal Rumble most recently. Really looking forward to what this World's Collide build can bring us. The World's Collide event itself, and of course, moving down the line into February, take over Portland. But before I get sidetracked again, let's cover up this matchup. Banks able to use... His unique style and build momentum. 
banks would be absolutely explosive towards the end of it, and it would just take one little slice of heaven, a major kick to the face of Jackson Riker for the Kiwi Buzzsaw to pick up a win at Full Sail University ends on NXT TV. So we have Cassius Ono with the loss to Matt Riddle. We have Travis Banks able to pick up a win against Jackson Riker. If you're keeping track of an upcoming series moving into Worlds Collide, it is one win apiece for NXT and NXT UK, respectively. I cannot wait to see what other clashes we get on this road towards Royal Rumble weekend. Now let's get into that women's action. Mia Yim versus Dakota Kai. It would be HBIC versus K-I-C-K, the captain still of Team Kick. If you haven't burned your hypothetical and metaphorical jerseys for Team Kick, I have. I have. I'm taking against Dakota Kai's side. I'm appreciating the work she's doing, but you got to play this one by the book. You got to root for the Welsh Wonder and her comeback in Tegan Knox. That's just my point of view. Root for whoever you want. Just keep listening to the show and uh, complain to me on Twitter as you do it at podcast underscore UF. Continuing the trend of explosive starts to matches this evening. Mia Yim would absolutely wait for nothing. And Mia Yim would take pages out of the Killian Dane playbook with a vicious cannonball to Dakota Kai on the outside into the steel steps. Something out of the Beast of Belfast coming from the HBIC. That's that's just aggression on two very unique levels, but definitely matching in each other's respective levels of intensity. I love the code blue. I know we are we're kind of getting desensitized to Canadian destroyer-esque moves. These flipping power bombs seem to be coming up in more matches than they aren't as of late. And I don't mean for it to sound like a complaint. I just think that we got to spread them out a little bit more. From what I've seen on AEW television, it takes place once every week at least. And this isn't the NXT podcast host complaining about AEW television. Believe it or not. And put your surprises on here, guys. Put your surprised face on because you can enjoy both brands. I know. If I just blew your minds, I uh, apologize for any blood that might be on your wall. Anyway, Code Blue, very impactful, very smooth, very well done by Mia Yim. But Dakota Kai would save herself after what would be, we know this move is Eat Defeat and Soul Food and Giordanzo, but it was a knee-based looking Soul Food. It was more like Ricochet's recoil Code Breaker style to the side of Mia Yim's head. I really enjoyed the offense that Dakota Kai is implementing since this attitude change. I really appreciate when switching from a babyface to a heel, wrestlers also incorporate new moves in their moveset to kind of match the attitude and the character that they're portraying now. And the viciousness of the kicks seems to be kicked up, pun completely intended, and obviously phrasing uh, could not be much more described than that. But... I'm enjoying it. I think Dakota Kai has shown more aggression. I think this is definitely making her more interesting. It's driving more of a reaction out of me, which any good heel turn will do for your audience. So I'm really enjoying the changing up of the moveset as well. I'm not enjoying that Dakota Kai is carrying around Tegan Knox's knee brace and crutch like a trophy. That's something that's just kind of leaves a sour spot in your mouth for the best possible reason to to give you that distaste. 
Kai would go for that crutch. The referee would do his best to dispose of it, but Kai would pull another tactic out of this new book that she's pulling pages from, taking the turnbuckle pad off, exposing that steel, sending Mia Yim headfirst into that steel for the roll-up and picking up that W. So Mia Yim would be unsuccessful between the ropes this edition of NXT TV. But winning the match and winning the altercation are two completely different subjects when it comes to this rivalry. Yim would not be done. A vicious post-match assault on the outside of the ring, moving through the crowd, and the outside of the tech area. And the tables. Oh, the tables. The tables that would send Yim and Kai crashing when Mia Yim would deliver a high-angle, absolutely brutal-looking back suplex through the table outside, and Dakota Kai, these ladies were probably, and I say probably with about 95% certainty of so, supposed to go both tables. This did not take place. Dakota Kai, vicious bump on her skeleton on that second table. We would eventually learn post-match and moving a little bit further into the evening. I forget if it was addressed on TV or just through social media snooping, but Dakota Kai would need eight staples in her head after this unbelievable backdrop through the table on the outside. So, Dakota Kai has a lot of, a lot of, a lot of enemies in this women's division right now. And I love how Tegan Knox's injuries and that assault at War Games is being sold so well to really emphasize the point and to really paint that picture of the damage that was done to Tegan Knox at the hands of a former friend, Dakota Kai. So, whether it's Bad Blood with the pissed off big sister, her words not mine, in Candice LeRae, or this interim rivalry with Mia Yim due to Kai costing her a chance at history, I think that Dakota Kai having all these enemies can really do justice to sell the viciousness of the assaults on Tegan Knox and get the chance for other women to step in there and build their own rivalry with Dakota and really, really paint that story as well. So Dakota Kai has her hands in a lot of different cookie jars, but there's something in those jars that's going to bite her hand off and deliver eight staples to the back of her head. And that is the HBIC, Mia Yim. Mia Yim, like the Wu-Tang Clan, ain't nothing to fuck with. And yes, cursing is not always a regularity on this podcast show. But when you're using taglines of your hometown rap group, these things just these things just got to be said. Okay. Occupation I will never be is a rapper, but you got to use those catchphrases. A team whose resumes go a mile long in their possibility of occupations is Tiger Breeze and Fandango in Breezango. These men have had pilot licenses construction permits, and now they got medical degrees. Kind of thought for a second it was the introduction of Tommaso Ciampa's intro music with the heart monitor going off, but it's just another unique unique entrance by the gorgeous ones, Breeze and Dango. Breeze and Dango, the doctors are in against the Singh brothers. Yes, Sunil and Samir making a 
what I'd say now, rare appearance on NXT TV, but it does go back to that incorporation of 205 Live talents and these worlds colliding, pun not necessarily intended, but appropriate there with the events that I just spent a little while talking about coming up. The Singh Brothers, out from 205 Live, moving into a tag team division on NXT TV. Hey, any chance to get Tyler Breeze and Dango in some tag team action on television? I'm all about it. I said it. I lost track. However many matches I've covered so far, I'll say it again. Another hot and immediate start, this time by Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze, there's not many more talents that I want to come back under the NXT umbrella, but Tyler Breeze and Fandango are two men that I am so happy are back here. You could throw Fandango in that mix there too, but Tyler Breeze's single run was unforgettable in his time in NXT. Tyler Breeze is a man who faced Jushin Thunder Liger at the first NXT TakeOver Brooklyn in 2015. And I know, if you're a recent NXT fan, if you're brand new to what Tyler Breeze has done, you kind of might have heard that and said, there's, there's no possible way. You're making that up. Go back, load up one of the best TakeOver events, the first one outside of Full Sail also, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1, Jushin Thunder Liger, versus Tyler Breeze, and uh, that guy who holds up the live Liger TakeOver sign and gets the first sign on NXT TakeOver outside of Full Sail University, that guy might uh, might seem familiar because it is yours truly. So a little bit of a self-plug while also plugging that great matchup of 2015. Moving back to this matchup in 2019, though, I'll give the Singh Brothers this. Former 24-7 champions, they're crafty in their distraction. They were able to distract R-Truth long enough to get the roll-up and win that title. They were able to distract the referee long enough to get an advantage in this matchup. However, the hot tag to Fandango. Fandango, looking like a million bucks, absolutely tore it down. The Falcon Arrows and the super, and excuse me, the powerbomb to the apron on Samir Singh. Ouch. Spinal stenosis is no joke. And, uh... You got to watch those bumps on the apron. That was an absolutely vicious one that Fandango delivered to Samir Singh. Fun for us to watch, sitting here and comfortable on a couch, not getting our spines busted on the steel parts of the ring, but very dangerous, very impactful. Fandango was just a house of fire on this matchup. I'm really enjoying his performance and just love Brizango reimagined on NXT TV each and every time. We have gotten the opportunity to see them. We would see a fashion faux pas take place on the outside, that tandem offense by Breeze and Dango, and a large leg drop. The same move that Fandango used to beat Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. And yeah, that sounds like something made up as well. But that's just as true as Tyler Breeze taking on Jushin Thunder Liger. Dango would pick up the win for Breezango, and Breeze and Dango continue their reimagined, returning, success to NXT TV. All right, we are approaching that main event time triple threat number one contendership match, but I would like to thank you guys for listening. If you are checking out this portion of the show, I can't blame you if you just jumped to the most recent edition of NXT TV, but if you've been hanging out with me for the past half hour or so talking about the December 11th edition, I do appreciate any time that you spend listening to this podcast. One more edition of Women's Action on this edition of NXT TV. We have Caden Carter, formerly known as Lacey Lane, 
taking on the EST of NXT, Bianca Belair. Belair trying to rebound after being a part of Team Shayna at NXT TakeOver War Games and coming up short against Candice LeRae and Rhea Ripley finds herself back in singles action and another promising talent in this NXT Women's Edition. I really enjoy Caden Carter. She's got a good look. She's got a really unique style, not just of her appearance, but in-ring as well. I like her... I'm not sure if it's Lucha Libre, but it definitely mirrors some Lucha Libre stylings. And uh, I'm really, really enjoying what Caden Carter has brought to the table in her speed. And she did get chances to use it during this matchup. So Caden Carter is another talent to watch in this unbelievable pool that we have in this NXT Women's Division. The NXT Women's Division has been providing us consistently with good matchups, great rivalries, a title picture that we really cannot underestimate the intensity that is going to be brought on December 18th between Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley. The aggression, just everything about the NXT Women's Division has been consistently good. And there are very few times that we could find those windows in professional wrestling to say things that are consistently well-booked that keep us interested. And this women's division has been blowing it out of the water as far as quality content. Guess what? This one had another immediate start, this time implicated and brought upon by a jacket to the face by Bianca Belair to Caden Carter, blinding start by Belair. I mentioned Carter's speed. She did get few windows of opportunity to use it, but Belair is the total package, and that power by Belair is too much through the course of this matchup. The deadlift face-first slam that Bianca Belair was able to deliver. I did not watch the entirety of the uh, the combine at the Performance Center, but Bianca Belair's scary strength, scary strength, I don't care if you're man, woman, or otherwise, and I'm not using otherwise of- offensively, I'm just trying to cover all my bases here. I have non-binary friends. Bianca Belair's scary strength is... It's unbelievable. Her deadlift on weights more than her lifting an opponent that is not nearly as much weight as that seems like absolutely nothing. Unbelievable stuff by Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair is due for big things in her career just through her pure athletic talent her character, her charisma. There are big things in the on the horizon for the EST. The EST would land the KOD for the 1-2-3 and pick up this victory against Caden Carter. Now, I don't know how Wednesday is going to go. I'm recording this, yes, just a little bit before, just a small 24-hour window before Rhea Ripley faces off with Shayna Baszler. But I see Bianca Belair, assuming there is a change in title, I do see Rhea Ripley having a formidable opponent in possibly her first title defense. Let's assume there is no rematch clause, and let's assume that Shayna Baszler is not enforcing another match with Rhea Ripley. Let's say she's not looking to become Shayna three times. I could see a very credible opponent in Bianca Belair as Rhea Ripley's first rivalry, assuming that the Nightmare does capture the NXT Women's Championship. Three men 
looking to capture the NXT World Championship. And I've made this point before. It's been defended in the United States, Japan, London. It's a world title. It's a world traveled title. Anyway, the men competing for that spot in a triple threat match. Finn Bauer, with some pointed words at his opponent, ends at William Regal. Thought that was interesting. The promise that his future will be his past. The 292 reign as NXT champion. The former Intercontinental champion, I believe on two points. The first ever Universal champion, which I was fortunate enough to be in the audience for. Ripping my hair out as two of my favorites in today's modern wrestling landscape, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, went neck and neck for that Universal Championship. And watching Finn Balor just have to pop his shoulder back in at SummerSlam, that was... That was some gnarly stuff and has me rotating my shoulder as as I sit here and speak to you. Bauer looking to become a two-time NXT champion. Keith Lee, the Limitless Lee, has had career game-changing moment-making moments. Is that redundant? Yes, probably. But Lee looking to make his mark on NXT. He made his mark on Roman Reigns. On, at Survivor Series, so we know that Lee's credibility and the limitless potential is there. Keith Lee, one of the most talented and agile big men that have come through pro wrestling in a long, long time. The man looks like a lineman, moves like a running back. If you get that football analogy, uh, I appreciate you maybe getting a chuckle out of that. Lee would speak to his power advantage and his ability to lift both of his opponents. Something that would be highlighted in this matchup. And that Bauer and Champa would have no choice but to bask in the glory of Lee. And Tommaso Champa. Tommaso Champa emphasizing his undeniable focus on this path. This night was about Goldie. And Goldie coming back to Daddy. The war is over. The war is over. War Games is over. Now Champa has his championship sights right back on what he never lost. And as far as the Blackheart is concerned, Adam Cole's days are numbered as champion. Great match. Great triple threat match. I say this, I feel, every episode. It's so hard to, tra- to track and take notes during an NXT main event because it's so freaking engaging. This match was unbelievable. There would be no alliances to start this one. Lee would flatten both his opponents. We would see, yeah, Champa and Finn trying to get the larger man down to his knees. Yeah, we would see the despise of Lee and Champa at Finn Bauer. And Finn Bauer has made his enemies in Lee. You could just tell by the gifts. You could tell Finn has bad blood with Tommaso Champa. Look at the most recent assault on NXT TV that wasn't targeted at NXT champion Adam Cole. So all three of these men striving for that same goal and opportunity. Three great main event talents on NXT TV. Outside of the Undisputed Era and Johnny Gargano, Matt Riddle, there are so many men that are credible and viable for this NXT championship. But I do love that Keith Lee is making this moment and this push matter and absolutely providing us with fantastic in-ring work to back all of this up. 
The faith is in Keith Lee as a main eventer at some point on NXT television. It came this week. We saw those seeds planted in his epic rivalry with Dominic Dijakovic. I'm hoping Dijakovic gets a chance to more gets a chance to shine in more spotlight as well. Speaking of spotlight, we're still waiting on the return of Velveteen Dream. All of these men, credible talents and contenders for Adam Cole's championship. But these three men in particular put on one hell of a triple threat match. Great main events on this edition of NXT television. Featuring an electric chair air raid crash. I'm getting tongue-tied and mind-effed just trying to picture that one again. Just trying to say those words all in a row and piece together that kind of offense. It's it's mind-blowing. It really was great, great stuff. It didn't have Lee over the top just manhandling both his opponents. Bauer and Champa are smarter than that. We saw the tactical Finn Bauer that this reigniting of the Prince brought upon by the Fiends. I mean, there's there's a lot of change that goes on when you step into the ring with Bray Wyatt, the Fiend. And we saw this reflected now in Finn Bauer's attitude and his in-ring style as well. Tommaso Ciampa, always the crafty competitor. Always looking to take that one small window of opportunity and exploit it. All three of these men, the match was up in the air until that last three counts of who would challenge for Adam Cole and that NXT title. I thought any men any men in this matchup would be worthy of it, but it would end with that craftiness and that thoughtfulness that Finn Bauer would deliver. A major, big-time spirit powerbomb to Champa, and then coming off that powerbomb, Bauer would hit the coup de grace to Lee and seal the W for Finn. Now, before this match even started, we did see NXT champion Adam Cole, baby. And then, boom! Straight to commercial. I didn't really necessarily care for that. I thought the champion would be on commentary or something a little bit more featured. I wouldn't mind the champion trying to scout his opponents. Any hey, any guy has 33.33333, so on and so forth, possibility of facing him. So you would think you want to get a little bit of a jump on the scouting report despite the fact that he shared the ring with Keith Lee and Tommaso Ciampa and is aware of what Finn Balor brings to the table. I would really like to see Adam Cole on commentary this week. So, you can't always get what you want. So we have it. It's finalized. Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, baby, for the NXT Championship on December 18th. Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship on December 18th. It is a big-time takeover feel this upcoming week on NXT television. And you'll listen to me discuss that very episode of NXT television right after this. Alright, hello Team NXT, CD Danny Mac here, back for part 2 of episode 105. Thank you so much if you did check out part 1. And if you just went by the timestamp I'm going to put in the episode description, welcome to the Undisputed Future Podcast. Currently, I am exhausted but exhilarated. I apologize if you hear any fatigue in my voice. I did have a long commute back and forth from New York City to 
Carmella's kayfabe kingdom here in Staten Island. But I did make a promise during that first half of this episode that I would be delivering an NXT review immediately after this December 18th edition of NXT TV. What a takeover feel. Two high-profile title matches. Adam Cole, baby, defending the NXT Championship against Finn Balor and Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship, as well as a pretty unexpected stacked card as well in the interim between these two title matches. I'm going to try and probably have this review a little bit brief, with the exception of the news happening in the title picture, as well as a return here on this edition of NXT. Let's jump right into it. Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, baby, would start off this evening. No commercials which is just a godsend in the way that NXT has been going. Not even pulling any picture-in-picture nonsense. This was a true commercial-less match. And again, I was fighting, coming home from work, getting things straightened out. I walked in my door at 7.35, had to feed the dog, had to feed myself. So I did... I had NXT on the television, and then I pulled it up on my phone just so I could watch it as I was preparing myself dinner, making sure that I didn't miss anything, but the feed on my phone was a little bit behind, so in the in the meantime, while I was kind of watching both of my screens, I did realize that I didn't miss anything significant other than a, than a couple of rest holds in between the Adam Cole and Finn Balor exchanges, so that was a pleasant surprise. Balor versus Cole... Changing up that theme I discussed in part one of the fast and in-your-face starts to this match. This was a very mat-based beginning, lots of feeling out process. And the theme in this match, I absolutely enjoyed the storytelling of both of these men fighting like Finn Balor, a man who's looking to become another two-time NXT champion, coming off being the longest reigning NXT champion in the brand's history, and Adam Cole looking like that champion defending what is his. So I thoroughly enjoyed this back and forth in this matchup. It really came down to a couple factors, the timing of Adam Cole and the speed and explosiveness in the offense of Finn Balor. Finn Balor would first feel the timing of Adam Cole with the outside of the ring Bauer would be going for a running kick to the head, and Adam Cole would take out the defensive and planting leg and taking out the base of Finn Bauer. A major super kick by Cole as well was a big-time counter in this matchup, but Finn Bauer's sudden explosive offense showing in the form of sling blades and Pele kicks, and Bauer looking to do exactly what he does best, and that is bring this new aggression and big-time fight to the current NXT champion. And we saw a pretty pretty notable and reoccurring spot here in what has become a fan favorite. I use that term loosely because fans seem to be getting bowled over in the process. A shotgun dropkick of Bauer to Cole into the barricade, wiping out more front row audience members. First Cole gets pounced by Keith Lee into the first few rows. Johnny Gargano suffering the same shotgun dropkick, wiping out a few NXT audience members. Um, Let's use that term, plants, here. But fans, for the sake of discussion on this show, what, what a great match between the longest reigning champion in the brand's history and current NXT champion. 
Balor suffering a lower body knee-related injury during this matchup. Adam Cole would really, really precision target onto that lower anatomy of Adam Cole. Balor, of course, targeting the shoulder and the injured, the previously injured wrist still taped up, still proving to be a weak link in Adam Cole's game, if there is any. And Balor, obviously the smart competitor that he is, bringing all that he can to chop down and take out the weak points of the NXT champion. Now, Balor will be setting up for success and victory here, landing his signature top rope coup de grace right before he looks to put things away with the 1916. He looks like he's seen a ghost because Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Takeover, whose title was taken from him at the hands of Finn Bauer after 15 straight takeover appearances. Johnny Gargano appears, he's back, and he's not forgotten about Finn Bauer. That match is upcoming, and my mouth is watering at the idea of two of my NXT guys going at it in an absolute grudge match. This Johnny Gargano appearance would distract not just Finn, but also the referee, and you kind of expect better from a hardcore competitor and referee like Drake, but these things happen. Drake wants no interference in this NXT title matchups, but it would open the window for some underhanded tactics by Adam Cole, ever the smart competitor, landing the low blow to last shot. This one would be for real. The last shot would prove not to be the last shot a little bit earlier in this matchup, but the second time would stand for, and still, baby, Adam Cole retains the NXT Championship. Great match. Definitely one I'm going to go back and watch again just because of how much I love these two competitors. And a good return is always worth looking back on. Johnny Gargano, not just leaving it at costing Finn Balor the NXT Championship, Gargano would grab a chair and destroy the back of Balor, bringing that violent side of Johnny Wrestling to the forefront. And the fans at ringside, I mean, Balor was trying to escape through the crowd and still suffering chair shots to the back. Those fans were still knocked down. A lot of force behind those steel barricades and a shotgun dropkick by Balor, I suppose. Those, those men look like they've been in a car wreck. So Gargano and Balor's bad blood reignited on NXT TV. I was not ready for the prophecy to end. My heart said Finn Bauer, but my head said Adam Cole, and that 2019 would end the same way it has been progressing with Undisputed Era holding all of the gold on NXT. So the prophecy remains fulfilled, and our promise of a Finn Bauer versus Johnny Gargano match at a takeover, those hopes are still alive. I don't think it'll happen at the Worlds Collide event before the Royal Rumble. I think that's pretty much set in stone to be NXT versus NXT UK superstars exclusively, but this rivalry can be pushed, and these two men are geniuses when it comes to psychology and telling that proper story. So I do think Gargano versus Balor is pretty much all but set in stone for NXT TakeOver Portland in February. Moving forward, another NXT TakeOver Bad Blood reigniting here. Damian Priest, with a return, despite being less than 100%, would face the Beast of Belfast, Killian Dane. Priest displaying those injured ribs would be an absolute prime target for Killian Dane. Killian Dane's offense is so focused on that midsection, the sentons, 
the Vader bombs, the kicks that he's able to deliver, and the weights that would crash upon the midsection of Damian Priest, nothing that you couldn't help but squirm at thinking about that damage. Dane continuing the assaults on the ribs throughout the matchup, even ripping off that protective tape that Damian Priest would have on the injured midsection. So Dane, obviously with the game plan here, with a big red target on that midsection, I know it's black and white tape, but for the sake of argument, it's a big red bullseye on the midsection of the Archer of Infamy. But Priest, being persistent throughout this matchup, still able to display power, despite all of the core strength being sucked away from him through the course of this matchup, and a springboard tope would still be in the game plan of Damian Priest. I did admire Priest's persistence throughout this matchup and able to overcome these things, landing a big-time suplex, able to put forth the best offense in his arsenal despite having that major injury to his ribs. I honestly thought Dane would have it. I mean, Priest forming a good comeback here, but I really thought it would be shut down and that midsection would come back to haunt Damian Priest. But Priest proved me wrong as I sat here and watched this matchup. I really thought that Dane had it. I thought the Centon and Vader Bomb were going to come all the way through and bring this victory home for Killian Dane. But Dane would be countered into the reckoning, only taking a matter of seconds for Priest to be able to overcome and walk out with that victory. Now I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that this kind of three-way rivalry does continue. We've seen a couple of matches between Damian Priest and Pete Dunne. We've seen Dane versus Dunne in a battle of broken fingers. Now we got Damian Priest with battered ribs taking on Killian Dane. I'm really hoping, and it's not very common we get takeover rematches like this, but another triple threat match between these three men, I really do think it would be something I would like to see. Takeover War Games, that match really did stand out in a way I didn't think it would, even though the stakes were very high, fighting for that Survivor Series NXT Championship match. And as we know, Pete Dunne would win that one and bring Adam Cole all that he could handle in that matchup. Probably my match of the night at the most recent Survivor Series. So I'm not sure if Priest Dunn and Dane are done with each other, but we're getting some quality matches out of it. So I do not oppose to this rivalry continuing in any combination of two or bringing all three of these big men back into the fold. I'm going to talk about some women's action and Kushida versus Cameron Grimes, but a major announcement, one of my favorite NXT traditions with the Besides TakeOver Brooklyn's and TakeOver New York's and all the events that I'm personally able to make, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament will return and the team announcement is going to start off 2020. January 1st, we will get the tag team announcement of who is participating in this tournament. Now, the NXT Tag Team title picture seems a little bit open right now with the recent call-ups and moving arounds of teams such as the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits. We don't know what the future holds for Oni Lorcan and Killian Dane. Oni did bring, bring did did sign a new contract with WWE. I really do apologize for the stumbling over myself here, team. But I am fatigued, but not fatigued enough where I can't talk about professional wrestling. So Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic returning. We're kicking off the new year with those tag team announcements. Any predictions that you guys might have between now and then of who will be involved in this tournament, please reach out to me on Twitter at podcast underscore UF 
and give me a couple of your guesses who will be involved with this tournament. A new rivalry budding in NXT is Kushida versus Cameron Grimes. Kushida Kushida looking good in Cameron Grimes' hat. If you recall, Grimes would have his hat stolen by Kushida and provided just a little bit of a distraction by the Japanese time splitter for Raul Mendoza to pick up a win over Cameron Grimes on NXT TV. I was very elated for Mendoza picking up a win on NXT TV. I've been watching him compete recently on 205 Live and just coming up short despite putting on some very great matches. So I was happy for Mendoza. Very unique stipulations and uh, story behind this rivalry. I mean, there's that thin layer of that interference, but it's all about the hat. It's all about the hat being robbed off of the head, or more specifically, off the turnbuckle, from Cameron Grimes to Kushida. And I gotta give Kushida props there. He does look pretty darn sharp in it. This was a great match. It was a technical monster versus a technical expert. Rather technical savage, but Cameron Grimes and that build, the guy looks like a big hairy monster. Wouldn't mind seeing if Killian Dane decides to jump in back to the tag team roots of Sanity. Grimes and Dane running roughshod over a tag team division, not out of the realm of possibility. We've seen Stranger Things before. I mean, Big Show and Kane have teamed numerous times. A big time monster tag team on NXT could be worth the feature because we did just lose the Viking Raiders as Raw Tag Team Champions right now. So another big-time, big-men team brought to the NXT front might be a pretty unique idea. One other thing about Cameron Grimes, that cross-body counter slam. How in the world does he do it? No matter the size of the opponent, the man is able to pull off this aerial feat in such high-velocity situations. It's really an impressive move. Cameron Grimes and Angel Garza, the two standouts of the NXT Breakout Tournament without a doubt in my mind. We're putting the Jordan Miles ACH controversies aside. Great match for the NXT Championship, but building upon success in NXT, Cameron Grimes and Angel Garza have been able to do it, and Grimes' matches have really been standouts here on NXT TV. Now, This match ended in a Cameron Grimes victory, but I don't think it should have. And there's a lot of members of the Full Sail Faithful that would agree with me. Kushida with a major off-the-top-rope avalanche roll-up combination, beautifully executed, locking the legs, pinning the shoulders. One, two, it should have been three. That was three. It wasn't just me chanting on my couch to my dog. It was full sail chanting it at the referee. Kushida got screwed. Shida. Kushida got screwed. Shida. I apologize if I lose listeners after that one. Kushida gets screwed and then stomped out Cameron Grimes, picking up the win with the cave in. So Grimes and Kushida, I'm really hoping this rivalry does continue as well. I'm not really for any rivalries on this road to take over Portland to end, and I'm looking forward to seeing what else can be brought to the forefront in NXT. And that goes across divisions. We saw the Joshi Judas, try saying that tongue-tied and tired, versus Io Shirai versus Santana Garrett. Santana Garrett, a full-signed NXT superstar, Past appearances on the brand before, very impressive talents, world-traveled, decade worth of a veteran, and Io Shirai, we know of her success 
as an NXT Women's Championship competitor. Her rivalry with Candice LeRae, something special, kicking off the NXT TakeOver War Games women's matchup as well. Io Shirai has had one hell of a 2019, and that run continues because despite the best efforts by Santana Garrett, and I thought she has quite the athletic ability, there were so many handsprings in this matchup between these two competitors. I lost track about halfway through, but Io Shirai would get the major handspring in the form of a moonsault off the top rope for the victory. I'm going to talk about Io Shirai just a little bit later on with the news for the women's division. Another bit of a Worlds Collide preview and another Worlds Collide featured competitor. The Kiwi buzzsaw, Travis Banks, would take on the Bruiserweight, Pete Dunne, in another great hard-hitting matchup, really bringing that European and, uh, let's say, otherworldly, other country style to the front. Travis Banks, a very impressive competitor. Him and I share a similar martial arts background, so it's always a joy to watch him bring those strikes but it really comes down to the submission, dominance, and suddenness of Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne will pick up the victory over Travis Banks. So Travis Banks has a win for NXT UK, but also suffers a loss at the hands of Pete Dunne. Now, Pete Dunne's involvement, and this was brought up on commentary by Nigel McGuinness, it was something that I had thought as soon as I saw who Pete Dunne's opponents would be, and that this would be a Worlds Collide Tournaments Championship events, however we're phrasing it, up until the Royal Rumble weekends. Dunn represented and held on to the WWE United Kingdom Championship for a record number of over 500 days. He has made the move to America. He has brought most of his business to NXT. Like I just mentioned, he competed at Survivor Series against Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. So Pete Dunn does seem to be all about just NXT. But could could his loyalty be in the, in the corner of his countrymen? Could there be a little bit of turmoil between British Strong Style facing his brethren Tyler Bate or Trent Seven? The doors for this the doors for this event right now, folks, are it's wide open in the amounts of dream matches that we could pitch together between these two rosters. Really wondering where Pete Dunne's head is at, and I do believe that in the long run he will represent NXT, but who he will stand across the ring from in the NXT UK corner, I do think that's something worth keeping our eyes on and looking forward to, because this event is going to be unique, and it is going to be something special. We've seen Worlds Collide in the past, we've seen the tournament before in the past, Velveteen Dream earning his title shot at the North American Championship against, at the time, champion Johnny Gargano. So we've seen some really good things come out of these Worlds Collide events, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Royal Rumble Weekend brings to us upcoming. Now, our main events. And I'm going through this episode just a little bit quickly because, like I mentioned, my fatigue, but my excitement is fighting my exhaustion, and the excitement was definitely brought upon by the results of this matchup. Rhea Ripley versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's title. The brutal power of Rhea Ripley, who is well above her age category. 23 years old. They grow them big in Australia, folks. This woman is a marvel to look at in how she's built 
and the aggression. And let's just let's flash back a little bit. The first May Young Classic, Rhea Ripley competed. Happy go lucky rugby football enthusiasts to the nightmare that we see before us. She is not the same person now as when she started her career here in NXT and NXT UK. Rhea Ripley with the most radical personality change and really bringing some of her unique character traits to the front. I'm loving this evolution of such a young talent. Ripley has all the promise to be a long-time cornerstone of any women's division that she is involved with. Shayna Baszler, we know of her combat sports veteran leadership, submission specialist, submission magician for a damn good reason. A great back-and-forth match displaying these two traits for these competitors. And of course, it wouldn't be a Shayna Baszler match without a little bit of involvement by the Queen's Army, two of the MMA's four horsewomen, Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir, trying to sway the odds in the Queen of Spades' favor, but they get a cannonball for their troubles. And it's not like they could have shown this on television or anything. It's not like we could have sacrificed a picture-in-picture coverage on a past matchup to get what happens during the NXT Women's Championship main events. But Duke and Shafir would get involved again, able to inflict the slightest bit of damage on Rhea Ripley on the outside, slamming her into the turnbuckle post, but would, consequently, for these actions, be ejected by the referee, and all of a sudden, it becomes just about an even playing field between Ripley and Baszler. What an incredible story was told after that ejection. Baszler would stomp out another arm in the trophy case that is NXT Women's Competitors' arms in her trophy case. Stomping out Rhea Ripley on the steps, taking her out in the ring. Ripley. Ripley is assuring that she can fight despite this damage to her arm. Ripley pushing through despite everything that Shayna Baszler was able to throw at her. The drop kick to Shayna, wiping out the referee and giving not just us sitting at home, but all of the Full Sail faithful many heart attacks as well, thinking this match can end in controversy. Not again. We already had a disqualification finish the first time these two women met for that championship. Shayna would bring Steele into the ring, deliver a DDT, and of course, right after, a DDT on a steel chair, Not the first or last time we're going to see this in pro wrestling team. Baszler would go for the pin and pick up a one, two, a two count. Ripley's heart and her drive and that that mean streak bringing her to consciousness again. And it it would bring on the longest and most dramatic Kurafuda clutch that I have seen in my many times watching Shayna Baszler compete. We've seen it locked in for several, several seconds, what could feel like an eternity on past competitors, like a Kyrie Sane, like Ember Moon. Just when you think other competitors might be able to stay in it, like the street-tough Mia Yim. This move and this chokehold has put out some of the absolute toughest and most viable opponents to step up to Shayna. But Rhea 
would be defiant and grab the referee to assure him and us watching that she would not give up. A defiant grab to the, to the shirt of the referee and fighting her way out of this clutch. Able to deliver a shot of adrenaline and a shot of major offense and stomps to Shayna Baszler's head, delivering just a little bit of Shayna Baszler's own bad medicine. Shout out to shout out to Mauro Ranallo, always giving me some great music references and favorite phrases to throw into my own show. This would lead to a game-changing moment in the NXT Women's Division. Shayna, up top. Rhea Ripley, on the turnbuckle. We'd see an avalanche riptide landing in the center of the ring. One, two, three. The Queen is dead. And new NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley. What a night of NXT action. I grade this one an A+. Up and down the card, the two title matches, the matches I didn't expect to see, delivering greatness, as is tradition on Wednesday nights. Now, Rhea Ripley is already a phenom. Like I mentioned, 23 years old. The NXT UK inaugural women's champion and our new NXT women's champion dethroning that second reign of Shayna Baszler that most of us would foresee carrying on well through the end of this year, possibly beyond. But no, a history-making night on December 18th, 2019, we would see, finally, that second reign of Shayna two times come to an end at a very promising and a very aggressive opponent, Rhea Ripley. Now, already jumping ahead, who is going to be the one, the first one, to step up to Rhea Ripley? Now, in my mind's eye, you got to look across the ring to who she faced at the NXT TakeOver War Games women's matchup. Lots of viable opponents there. Current NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray could be aggressive and crazy Queen of Scots enough to maybe step up and want to call herself a two belts of sorts. Could it be Bianca Belair? Bianca Belair, no short in the power game as well. Impressive athlete, probably able to bring a lot to the table and face Rhea Ripley. Very worthy first opponent in the EST of NXT as well. Io Shirai, continuing that mean streak. She couldn't beat Shayna. She contributed that to Candice LeRae stepping in the way. So can Io Shirai, with this recent success, build enough momentum for her to step up and challenge the Nightmare for her first NXT Women's Championship title defense? So looking across the aisle and thinking, who can step up to Rhea Ripley? In my mind, you gotta look at the competitors that she faced at War Games in that hellacious matchup. Rhea Ripley, between November and December, has had career making and history making moments in women's wrestling and I'm proud to be a fan of hers since that first appearance at the May Young Classic. What a week of NXT action. What a couple of weeks that we've had 
of NXT action. And I thank you all for listening to me discuss it. I'm CD Danny Mac. I'm exhausted. The fatigue in my voice is prevalent. So I'm going to need to go to bed and I'm going to need to carry on this conversation next time. Probably a little bit of a holiday hiatus moving forward. It's kind of up in the air right now. I'm thinking that I won't be back until 2020. Yeah, maybe I'll drop something in the meantime. But that 2020 January 1st edition, we're going to kick the new year off right with the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament announcements. I'm going to be covering who got the vote in the NXT Year Ends Awards that will be announced on the Christmas Day edition of NXT television. Be sure to go out and vote if you guys haven't. I know there's a few more categories I need to make my voice heard for. So, I'll definitely be keeping up with the coverage from now through the end of 2019 and what will start off the year of 2020. Be sure to keep up your conversation with me, though. I'll still be live tweeting. I'll still be keeping up the professional wrestling conversation on the social media, primarily on Twitter at podcast underscore UF, my primary form of communication. Shout out to all the other great podcasts out there. We just had the Wrestling Podcast Awards. Congratulations again to all those who walked out with victories. I lost out to Talk is Jericho for Best Solo Podcast again, but um, I'm protesting their nomination for next year in the most facetious of ways. I love the GOAT as much as the next person. Yes, I'm saying good things about AEW's champion on an NXT podcast. Go figure. But still one of the all-time greats, no matter what brand he is wrestling on. So congratulations to all podcasts involved. This community is strong, and keep putting out your content. Reach out to me on the Instagram. Check out the posts that are upcoming and the posts that I've been slacking in making at Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word. Check out the Facebook. Give it a view. I've seen a couple views on the page. Get a couple likes up there, even though it's not my most engaging form of social media. Won't be the first or last time that I mention that little fact. And thank you for listening. No matter how you're listening, whether it be on iTunes, if that's still a thing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere that my RSS feed can be traced, which is hosted on SoundCloud, my most popular form of posting when I'm announcing a new episode. So no matter how, when, or where you are listening to this show, Thank you so much for your support. There is no I in Team NXT, and I'm hoping I kept you entertained and occupied for a little bit over an hour. I'm CD Danny Mac. If I don't talk to you guys between now and then, Happy New Year to all of Team NXT, the happiest and healthiest in this holiday season. Again, another incredible year that 2019 has been for professional wrestling. So many game-changing and moment-making moments in NXT. And I cannot wait to see where the future of the black and gold brand goes in the upcoming 2020. I will talk to you all next time. Again, the happiest and healthiest moving into this new year.